Welcome to Tales from the Dance Floor, a podcast exploring the lives and times of people from all walks of life who followed their passions and made careers out of DJing, producing, parties, dance culture, and the music industry. I'm Phil Morse from Digital DJ Tips. Let's get started. I'd like to welcome a man with a very interesting story today. It's Jonas Norberg. It's not a name you'll probably know, but if I say pacemaker, unless you've got something wrong with your heart and you're suddenly worried, uh, um, you will think about the DJ hardware and now DJ software with the name of pacemaker. And Jonas is the man behind that. Uh, Jonas has got some very interesting, uh, he's got a very interesting backstory, but also some interesting technology that helps DJs with copyright and with sharing their mixes. And obviously, Coming with that are some really interesting views on the way the technology is developing and the challenges that DJs have in this world where we play other people's music and yet other people's music can get us in trouble just by virtue of us playing it. So um, a great guest to have. I'm looking forward to the chat. Hello, Jonas. Hello. It's uh, it's fantastic to talk. And I think a great place to start would be kind of at the beginning. You've made a career in this industry, but what got you into it? What got you into music and DJing? Was it what everyone was doing? Were you the odd kid out? What was the story at the beginning of, of your journey? So um, I grew up in a, in a hippie collective here in Stockholm, and uh, music was um, in abundance. Uh, either people were playing instruments, uh, guitars, drums, etc., or they were playing records all the time. Um, so music sort of comes um, from the very beginning. Um, and then when I was a, a student at university, um, I started to get very interested in clubbing. And that's, uh, yeah, you know, dancing and, uh, and having fun. Um, and uh, at that time, I was uh, also trying to um, uh, be a bass player. Um, and uh, I was pretty serious, um, and uh, uh, I had a Music Man Stingray, um, which is the same kind of bass guitar as uh, Flea in Red or Chili Peppers. It has a. Yeah, but a lot of people are nodding here. A lot of our musician listeners are saying, thinking, knowing exactly what you yeah. mean. Yeah. Um, and then um, I sold that one, and uh, I was going to buy. Um, I, I think it's called Double Bass, uh, the big one. The boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I was missing uh, some money, um, but I got the money from selling the Music Man Stingray, and uh, that money was burning in my pocket, and I was starting to buy records. Um, so I actually never managed to buy that double bass. Instead, uh, I bought two uh, two decks, um, a mixer, and uh, a whole bunch of records, and that was when I became a DJ. Um, so I, I sort of um, canned my bass uh, player career and started DJing instead um, and haven't looked back since. Um, and then, um, well, that, that's really the story how I got into um, DJing from the very beginning. And, and this is when there, there wasn't any sync button really. So it was uh, two Technics, uh, 1200s and... Um, you had to find the beat, you know, manually. It was a lot of hard work. And uh, at that time, everything was about beat matching because it was kind of tricky on 
uh, on vinyl. It was indeed. It was a rite of passage for sure. And yet you've got into the technology side of this, you know, if, if, if we've got into it at Digital DJ Tips and embraced all the new, you've really got into it. You've really not only embraced the new, but kind of defined it. We're going to talk a lot more about that. But where did the technology bit come from? Where did the love of the geekiness, if you like, come from? So I, I was a student um, at uh, uh, the Royal Institute of Technology here in Stockholm. So that was an, an engineering education. Um, and uh, technology have always been an interest of mine. Um, I uh, got a computer kind of early. I was uh, at that time mostly interested in playing computer games, um, but I did some some programming very early on. Um, so the technology interest have always been there. Um, and then if if you if you're asking like how this interest and the DJ thing it turned into pacemaker, um, then it's, uh, um, uh, I, I was a, a PhD student um, at uh, the Royal Institute of Technology, um, not doing so well. Uh, I was uh, uh, not really finding the right topic and uh, I was getting frustrated and then eventually I just quit um, without really knowing what to do. So I'm basically a PhD dropout. Um, and um, uh, after having dropped out, I you know, realized I, I need to you know, decide on what to do. Um, and uh, uh, I asked a few friends uh, if, if they wanted to uh, start a think tank with me. Um, where we would brainstorm for ideas um, and uh, hopefully come up with something. Um, and the original idea was to sell ideas to bigger uh, companies. Uh, now I know that uh, selling ideas is very tricky. You actually have to. <laughs> it's like a pyramid scheme, selling ideas yeah. about ideas to, to sell ideas. and It's kind of mind boggling. So, uh, so okay, that, 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 that first idea didn't work out. So, Pacemaker was a better idea, yeah, right? Yeah, so Pacemaker came out of that think tank. Um, so we came up with a whole bunch of bad ideas and then a few good ones. And then, um, you know, this idea of having a um, DJ iPod, because this is back in 2004. Um, and at that time, iPod was, uh, was uh, the thing. Um and uh, we just realized that uh, it would be possible to create a DJ system in that form factor. And it was actually um, this uh, epiphany moment when a friend came home to me in January 2005. Uh, yeah, 2005, January 2005 with his latest iPod. And it landed in my hand and I, you know, it had this round uh, thingy on it. Um, and uh, landing my hand, and I just felt we can do a DJ system in this. Oh, I see. So the original, the original um, circular control, whatever they call it, thingy in your technical yeah. term, um, actually was what gave you the idea because it's the same shape as a record. Yeah, a CD. you know exactly. Um, so the the iPod was uh, was the inspiration, um, and as an engineer, I realized that um, the kind of processor that was inside. Uh, the iPod would be powerful enough 
to decode two MP3s at the same time. Um, mm. And then mixing things in the digital world is, is actually kind of easy. You just add them up so it doesn't take too much uh, computational power. Um, so that was really the birthday of, uh, of Pacemaker, the original hardware device. So Jonas, a lot of people won't know what we're talking about here. So let's kind of give them a, a little bit of a history lesson. So back then, the very first DJ controllers were beginning to appear. They weren't very good. I was reviewing them at the time. Um, and as you say, iPods were starting to put digital music in people's pockets. Um, and I guess people were used to the idea of portable game controllers already. So the idea that you can hold something in your hand that that you can do something cool on was, was, was not an alien idea, although the iPad hadn't appeared yet at that point. So your basic idea was, hey, we can build a little portable DJ system that uses digital music in the same way that people listen on an iPad to one track. We can give them a few more controls and let them, let them do this in a handheld yep, unit, right? Exactly. And the, the unit was well received in, in the end. It was something that, that you didn't carry on with and that, um, that, that you, you kind of, um, shuttered but it led to something with the same name that you're still doing to this day that's really really interesting and that i'm looking forward to talking a lot more about which is the pacemaker software so why don't you tell us a little bit about how you reached pacemaker software what it is and what its kind of key points are yeah so um just dwell uh, a little bit more on the old hardware because that was basically an ipod and then here came iphone and that was really at the beginning of the end for the iPod days. Um, and, and then um, after uh, uh, some time, uh, we managed to uh, acquire the rights from the old company because the old company went into bankruptcy. So we acquired the rights and relaunched as an app. Um, and, and, you know, um, that's software only. And, uh, um, Software is uh, so much more fun uh, because then you can sort of um, concentrate on, on creativity and, and less on logistics and those kind of things. Um, so uh, iPhone was really this perfect platform for the original um, pacemaker ideas. And, and those are um, that... Um, uh, the, the vision for the company have always been that the, the mix is the next generation playlist. Um, because uh, a playlist is kind of crude uh, to consume because you have the gaps in between the different tracks, etc. Um, and uh, a mix is much more smooth. Um, and a mix also makes it possible for people to embed themselves um, into uh the music they love, uh, so they can engage. So it's a mu much more personal playlist. Uh, so that's that's the vision for Pacemaker since day one. Uh, mix is the next generation playlist, and then our mission is to democratize mix creation, democratize DJing. Um, and if if you look at the the iPhone um, smartphones uh, and and streaming. Um, so what uh, a smartphone does is that it gives us a platform to um, develop our ideas on. We don't have to develop our own hardware. Um, and then streaming um, 
is um, uh, you know giving users access to millions of tracks and and clearly that's something that makes djing a whole lot easier um, because when you dj you need a fairly big um, collection of tracks um, because otherwise you know it doesn't work uh, um, and and with streaming you you have 30 million tracks at your fingertips so those two things were actually you know very helpful for us to take our vision uh into reality so it's a crowded market isn't it dj software so you've come out with a, a dj app on ios which is where you still are uh, there's lots of people doing this what's different about pacemaker we know your mission statement to 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 create the next generation of playlists and to democratize DJing. But I would imagine that there'd be crossover with some of the other players in this market. So what is it about Pacemaker that makes it unique? So I think one of uh, the things that we take very seriously is this uh, making things easy. Um, now, our company have evolved since we launched um, iPad. Uh, because that was uh, how we entered uh, the uh, iOS space. And our iPad product is uh, arguably the most user-friendly uh, DJ app on the market. Um, and it um, uh, incorporates you know, the typical two decks and a mixer. Um, so that one is um, different because it's easier and uh, more of a joy for the eyes to use. Um, but we realized after launching it that um, the two decks and a mixer kind of experience, um, we think it's still too difficult. Um, the, the users that actually take the time to learn um, that kind of interface, it's a few people you need to be quite dedicated because it's still hard and if you look at pacemaker for iphone uh, that has turned into something that is completely unique um, and um, uh, there, there's i mean you could argue and um, some people that download pacemaker do uh, they argue that uh, it's not djing um, and um, you you can I mean I agree um, because it's more like a uh, mixed creation tool. Um, you just add um, one track and then a second track and then um, you will see the waveforms for those two tracks um, and then the AI steps in and creates um, a first mix um, automatically like you only have to add those two tracks and then the AI steps in creates a beautiful transition that's on par with really really good DJs um, and in that experience you won't really see those two decks in a mixer it's more about manipulating waveforms so um, in some sense it's uh, more like uh, a digital audio workbench uh, DAW, um, but much easier. Um, and, and the iPhone is really, um, that's our vision, uh, visualized, um, and, and our mission too, um, because it is a very easy 
DJ tool to use, and it, it is uh, um, a tool to craft um, the next generation playlists. So there'll be a couple of reactions of people listening to this, I'm going to guess. Some people will be saying, well, you can't mix anything into anything. So what if you give this software two pieces of music that just don't go together? What's it? How is it going to make a beautiful transition out of those? Yeah, so... Um... If you add to tracks that are incompatible, of course, then it's going to be difficult for anyone to create a great sounding mix. Um, mm. But um, I, I think, you know, mixing is not just about beat matching. Uh, it's about how you <laughs> transition from one track to another. So um, I, I mean, you can mix classical music um, and then you just, uh, end the first track in a good way for the second track uh, to begin. Um, so, for example, I mean, even classical music, normally it has a beat and it has some kind of, um, you know, ambient, some, some kind of feeling to it. And then you make sure that that beat or that ambient kind of feeling to it matches well and transitions well into the second track because you're telling a story here. Um, so, um, I argue that you can mix everything, um, but, uh, of course there will be, uh, some tracks that are just not compatible right? and it's not going to sound good. And then, you know, select different tracks to mix. It's interesting that you go down that line because as a as a dj school one of the things we have to teach people over and over again is it's not about smooth beat mixing between tracks it's about the tracks you choose and what why what your point is in, in picking those tunes what are you trying to say uh, so it's good to hear someone who's making technology kind of reflect back that same that same feeling that that music's about conveying emotion and you use your tunes and the order you put your tunes in and to an extent the way you you blend them together to convey that message but i just want to go back to your your background you say you were brought up in a hippie collective so it sounds to me like you know in order to be passionate about this game which you clearly are you need the creative side and you need the business and technology side you need to kind of have both sides of your brain engaged one of them inspires the other one but the other one kind of does all the work how much of that goes back to the atmosphere and and, and the way you were brought up i mean that's an unusual that's an unusual upbringing right yeah, it's it's not it's not the normal. Um, uh, even though I'm I'm born 1974, and then at that time I think it was, um, you know, more people growing up in that kind of environment than today. Um, but no, it it, it was um, um, uh, a bit different uh, growing up in in that kind of uh, uh, environment. But uh, and then of course that uh, has an impact on on you uh, because you know that's the world that uh, you grew up in and and for you as a kid that is the normal right um mm, you don't know sure. much else um and um uh i mean i'm i'm pretty sure that's where my great interest for music comes from and then of course there's um there's this one person that there's probably more but there's this one person that really have um, introduced me to um, music uh, and it started with like craft work when I was age 
nine something and, and I was just blown away. Um, and then um, the doors uh, actually before the movie. Um, and uh, then he gave me this weird um, uh, album that was kind of dark and uh, very different from things I've heard before. And it was Portishead. Um, and that was, you know, before Portishead broke. And then all of a sudden they were on MTV. Um, uh, and then he gave me more Sheba, um, the Trigger Hippie album, I think. Or no, Who Can You Trust album. Um, and uh, he also, I think before Portishead introduced me to this left field group uh i remember you know you're taking me back in photographically to to places and times just by mentioning all these albums and all these bands yeah. uh, in in manchester in england I, I remember what i was doing and who i was with so um so yeah these are all these are all landmark kind of first wave of um electronic diy dance music from europe right yeah and uh, and and that's it's my uh, he's my godfather. Um, so um, I, I'm not baptized, but my parents figured you know you should have a godfather and a godmother. So I, I got one of each. And Sounds like you got a good god godfather at least. Yeah, in, in music, like he's he's really inspired me so much. And I you know he was part of the hippie collective. So um, mm. the hippie collective had played a role consistently for me and he has kept on you know giving me this great kind of musical sensations so your 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 background clearly given you um kind of in a way musical mentorship and also this love of creativity but some people you know i said there's a couple of things that people will will, will likely say when they hear you talking about software that just mixes with ai and you just pick the tunes and put them in uh, and they'll say it's 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 anti creative it's destroying the real creativity and the real art in all of this, if you just hand it over to a machine and, and you, your take on that would be, I mean, uh, if you just look at the, um, development. So, um, uh, when I started DJing and, and it, I think you started DJing at the same period, uh, you, you mentioned, uh, it was, you know, vinyl and it was all about the beat match. And, uh, and then you had a sync button and then, you know, we started to talk about, um, uh, key matching. Um, so, uh, technology assists people to create. Um, and, and then like, um, when you have the sync button, you can do other things. Um, and to be honest, I, I, I think, um, our AI, uh, is kind of like a new sync button, um, I, I think, um, it's something that's gonna end up in the professional world too. I mean, it sort of is because you, um, biggest DJs, they use Ableton, um, and, uh, dead mouse, you know, he had this, uh, um, blog, um, where he said we're all button pushers because that's what he do. Um, but it's like, how you push those buttons, how you convey your story, um, how you um, engage with the crowd and how you make them feel in different kind of ways. Um, and, you know, I think that's the important part. 
Um, whether Steve Aoki is, uh, you know, just playing a pre-recorded set or not, um, I think that's actually not possible because DJing is about communication. Um, you, you play something and then, you know, crowd reacts. And then based on that reaction, you're going to play a second track. So I, I think it's very difficult to create a pre-recorded set. Maybe um, professional DJs, they have like this idea for the start, but they have to, you know, have creative freedom um, for where to take uh, the experience. Uh, and then, you know, if technology is a foundation and assists and help, um, also making it possible for more people to do this, well, that's great. Um, and of course, I mean, I still enjoy uh, mixing on vinyl. I don't do it often these days, but that's, you know, it's interesting and it's it's fun and it's different from the technology world and um, it's uh, closer to, uh, you know, um, the roots, but, um, I love technology and what, what it can do for creators and consumers. It's interesting that you kind of raise the, the point that you don't lose your love of say record decks just because you've got something on your iPhone that will mix any tracks you throw at it automatically for you. I've interviewed Jazzy Jeff a couple of times. And he's, to me, a good example of a DJ who doesn't, to start with, doesn't need to prove anything to anyone. But secondly, you put anything in front of him, whether it's record decks or a, a, an iPhone app or, you know, a new button on a DJ controller, he's got the same kind of, how can I make this work for me? Look in his eye that, that true artists kind of have. It's like nothing's threatening. It's more a case of how can I use this to, to get my message across better or to do something I couldn't do before? And I think I think you share that, um, and we definitely share that. The technology, as you say, democratizes things in the hands of people who've got something to say. And I guess that's the key, isn't it? Having something to say. To totally, it's it's the storytelling, um, and it's always been about the storytelling. Um, sort of the the technicalities, uh, you know, learning the craft, etc. That's just a barrier for you to tell stories, isn't it? Jonas, tell me about your incredible story around showing Pacemaker for the first time when you went to Barcelona, because I know this is a good one. Um, yeah, that's uh, an interesting story. Uh, so we um, got funding for the company and we developed uh, the hardware in record-breaking uh, speed. And then uh, in June 2007, um, there was the Sonar Festival. Um, and we uh, let the world know about the project in like um, the spring of 2007. And uh, we kind of anticipated that people would think it was fake, you know, vaporware. Um, and that happened um, because when, when we um, let the world know, it was just a web page uh, showing a 3D model for the product that was to come. Um, so... Uh, we got the first prototype that was hand built uh, in in the Korean um, factory, um, and uh, uh, yeah, we we planned to show it at the Solar Festival. And of course, it didn't work in the beginning, 
um, it like uh, crashed after one second. And then we expanded <laughs> it to two seconds. And then, you know, the the uh, flight to, to Barcelona and Sonar came closer and closer. And, you know, we had maybe three seconds. Uh, so... Um, we took a developer with us and then we established um, a mobile lab in Barcelona. And I think we arrived on the Wednesday and it still didn't work. And, uh, and then Friday evening night, um, it, it started to work a little bit. So we went down to the beach and you know, tried it out. So that was the very first sort of um, hidden demonstration of Pacemaker. And then on the Saturday, uh, which is the, the last day uh, of Sonar, we decided to go to the main entrance. Um, and I think we went there at, you know, three o'clock something in the, in the afternoon. And it worked for um, 15 minutes and then it crashed. Um, and in that very short period, that window, um, Richie Hontin, uh made his... Uh, only visit to Sonar by Day. Um, and he happened to pass by uh, in that very narrow window. Uh, and uh, that meant a lot for Pacemaker uh, because uh, after that, he reached out to us and, and he was like, hey guys, this is amazing. Uh, I would love to drop by and, and see what you're doing. So um, in the week following Sonar, he came to Stockholm and uh, visited our office and you know, he just loved the idea of, uh, of pacemaker, the vision and the mission, um, and uh, and ever since we've we've been friends, and uh, he's still engaged in pacemaker. Um, he now has a uh, an investment company together with his friend John Aquaviva, uh, and uh, they have invested in in pacemaker. And John Aquaviva is uh, is on the board of pacemaker. So Jonas, before before Pacemaker, you kind of got dabbling in promoting, as all DJs do, right? It's kind of like the only way to make money in this game. Some of us realise. Uh, tell me, tell me a, a story from back then that people might find find fun. Yeah, so um, I actually um, realised it's it's more fun to book DJs um, than than to be the DJ. Being the DJ is actually very very fun, but getting gigs isn't so fun. Um, so I, um, I did an, uh, an event, uh, on the anniversary of Yuri Gagarin's trip to space. Um, and, uh, that's, uh, April 12th. Um, and, um, wh- why would I do that? Because I love space and, uh, um, Yuri, uh, was the first human in space. So it's really worth, uh, celebrating the day when, when humanity entered the space age. Um, and uh, the uh, uh, event was at its biggest uh, in uh, April 2004, I think. Um, and uh, uh, I had a sponsorship from Aeroflot and from the games manufacturer Konami. And uh, I booked uh, uh, the two uh, greatest house DJs in Russia. I went to Moscow to meet with them, and, and they're great. Um, and, and then I booked uh, Eric Pritz, um, who's, who's now uh, world famous with Call On Me at that time. This was before Call On Me, um, but he was like this underground cool, um, cool kid. 
uh, and then we had the main the main act was um, uh, a DJ named Stonebridge, and he's, he's a very successful remixer and producer. He did the Robin yeah. S. Show Me Love remix, didn't yeah. he? The one that everyone knows. Um, and yep. uh, I had a DJ battle, Stockholm versus uh, Moscow, uh, on the big floor. Um, and uh, uh, this is kind of fun. Um, Eric Pritz, when, when he came, he came a bit late. I had asked him if he wanted to put people on the guest list, but you know he never replied. And then uh, he showed up with with friends and... Uh, uh, the uh, the guards they were pretty obnoxious maybe and they were like oh you have no people on the guest list so he almost started fighting with with the uh, the bouncers uh, bouncers they're called in English right the the guys that's right yeah doorman yeah. bouncers yeah yeah the security, the security. Uh, and they called me yeah. and I, I was like how many are they and they're like they're uh, three uh, and I was like let's do it uh, and then. Uh, they they came in, and uh, Eric played his set, uh, and uh, his friends were dancing and having lots of fun, you know, giving energy, and and uh, those friends that was um, uh, Axel, Steve, and Sebastian Ingrosso, basically Swedish house mafia. Wow! So you did. A, most people just hire a bar at the corner and you know book their mates, but you went a bit further than that, right? Well, you know, at that at that time, they they weren't so big. Uh, um, I mean, Eric was the uh, brightest shining star at that time, um, and uh, he hadn't done Call on Me yet. Um, and uh, you know, we basically grew up together in clubs in Stockholm because they were playing all the time, um, and uh, they uh, they then became very very successful um, and. Uh, I, I still listen to the music, uh, uh, even though I might think, you know, um, the, the stuff that uh, especially Steve did earlier on um, before Swedish House Mafia was more interesting than the kind of EDM boomers he does now. But I, I truly respect that uh, they, they do that and that they found such a big crowd. That's a great story. And the thing about promoting is if you are involved in any scene, um, I found as well it's about timing if you can if you can spot or even just by being in it accidentally book the people who are on the way up you kind of in retrospect can look really can look really like a I don't know like some kind of tastemaker when really it was just being there right so uh it's a great story however this is um the the thing is this was a DJ battle right Stockholm versus Moscow um and um uh I think the Russians they played between um, let me see twelve one yeah no, eleven and twelve they played the first set and they played back to back and then uh, uh, Eric played from uh, midnight to one and then the Russians came on a second time and played uh, from one to two and um, after Eric played his set uh, he wanted to buy a whole bottle of uh, um, of booze and the, because of regulations I uh, as the event organizer had to follow him to the bar uh, so I was with Eric going through um, the, the all of the people in front of the main stage uh, when the Russians started their second set that night and I remember uh, the 
the Russians, like their intro was just building and building and building. And then Eric was like, hey, stop, we have to see this. And we turn around and we see the Russians and, and they let go and the entire place just explodes. And that set that the two Russians played between one and two is probably the best DJ set that I've ever seen. They were just amazing. Um, and uh, they were having so much fun behind the decks and, and drinking booze. <laughs> uh, well, they were Russian, so you... you yeah, know. on stage from the bottle and the security <laughs> was like, hey, you know, we can't do this, uh, blah, blah. I was... So, so the Russians, in, in my book, they were actually better DJs than, you know, the best from Sweden that then been wow. the best in the world. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. And just to hear your passion and your voice as well, it's, it's cool. It's so good. It's giving me goosebumps thinking back to the fun of promoting. Um, so, Jonas, I want to make sure we cover something that I think is really interesting that is kind of at the heart of what you do now. You said earlier that the thing with DJing is that it allows people, consumers, music lovers – to embed themselves into the music they love. And by insinuation, the way they do that is by taking the music they love, putting it in an order that matters to them, and then finding a way to, to mix it together that kind of adds to something, that is something more than just those, those, those tunes randomly put together. And that's where your Metamix idea sprang from. A Metamix is, well, I'll let you explain explain it because it's very elegant and I think there's a lot of promise in the age-old problem DJs have, which is how do I show off what I can do without running into copyright issues? So tell us about Metamix. Um, tell us about what it does. So the idea is actually very simple. Um, you as a DJ, um, you use a whole bunch of different, you know, um, creative manipulations uh, to, to do a mix. You um, push start here, you uh, increase the tempo to this, uh, you mix in the second track at this time, etc. Um, we save all of those instructions um, and then, um, and, and that's something we call a meta mix. And the meta mix is basically everything in the mix except for the tracks um so it's everything the dj does so if you imagine a dj a dj controller it's every button push it's every fader move it's every tempo change it's every touch of the jog wheel your software records all of that stuff yep as as metadata which is where the name comes from right it's just data about what's been done to the music right exactly um and then of course um in a streaming world uh it's kind of easy uh, to to get the tracks that was used, so so you you create this uh, this mix, and while you do it, you do it with um, with Spotify today in PaceMaker. And then we save your instructions, and then you want to share your um, work with uh, with the world, and then you publish. And what you really publish is is just the meta mix. So inside PaceMaker, the iPhone experience there's uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, of meta mixes and then i step in here and and i see your uh, your meta mix in in my i mean what i see is your mix but it's really a meta mix i push play and i'm connected to spotify um and then you know we just um 
combine uh, your MetaMix with tracks from Spotify in real time to recreate the mix. Um, and, and therefore, uh, it's, uh, it's not um, something that's called derivative works, um, which is like when you, when you alter someone else's art, um, you, you create a new thing, and that's called a derivative work. Um, and because we don't save the mix, we don't save the file, um, it's just instructions, it's not a derivative work. And, and so, that's, so, so to paraphrase that, you basically, you save what someone's done to a load of Spotify tracks uh, and give it to someone else who's all already linked up to Spotify as well. And Spotify just loads the same tracks and kind of automates, just performs the same thing in front of your eyes. So effectively, you're listening to the person's mix, but technically, you're not. And so therefore, there's no copyright yep. issues. And, and that, that, that kind of makes copyright seem the crazy thing that it is, doesn't it? Because the end result is exactly the same. Yes, totally. And uh, um, I think even more importantly here, um, everyone is paid their fair share. Because when you uh, create your mix, create your meta mix, um, you will produce streams inside Spotify. Um, so it goes pling, pling, pling in Spotify's reporting system. And everyone is paid their fair share when, when you mm. create. And then when people consume, once again, it goes pling, pling, pling inside Spotify's reporting system and everyone is paid their fair share. It's a great solution. I mean, everyone wants that, of course. No one wants to see producers not getting paid. And we all know that the system is very imperfect anyway. So this is a, it's a really interesting solution and how many people are doing it how many metamixes do you have on on the system how many people have got engaged with this i don't remember the exact number but it's uh, hundreds of thousands wow and growing every day so this is really interesting people if you've thought you know i just want to i just want to share my mixes and you haven't tried this maybe head over to to pacemaker and get the software on your it's on is it on iphone and ipad that they can do this or is it just just one or the other? Just iPhone. Just iPhone. Just iPhone. For now. So just on iPhone, get the get the app, have a go, and see see what pops out the other end. To me, you see, my dad always used to tell me off for messing, literally messing with the music. He'd say, you're going to break that when I had my hand on the pause button and my other hand on the belt drive turntable and I was trying to make mixtapes and didn't understand that for me it was, it was important <laughs> to, to, to be involved in that music. And I wasn't a DJ. And I know that there's lots and lots of people who don't count themselves DJs out there right now with the same impulses. No, I did, it turned into DJing for me and it did for you as well, Jonas. But I guess what's at the heart of what you're doing is that it doesn't have to. It can just, you know, you can scratch that itch. You can make the mix that you've wanted to make for five years for the girl or the boy or whatever. And that's it. You move on to your next hobby. But you've at least had the chance to express yourself. Um and, and is that part of the drive here that look you don't all have to be superstar DJs to have a go at this? Is this part of what what makes you do these kind of things? Yeah, totally. I mean, um, we we've always wanted to bring the joys of DJing, mix creation, to more people, um, and uh, the people that we're trying to cater to now is really the the, the music lover, the lean forward music consumer, because. Uh, if you look at the, the music world today, 
Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, they all focus on the lean back music consumer. They're like, you know, just push play and then lean back and we will serve you music. But um, there's a whole bunch of people like me. I mean, I love music. I want to engage with music. It's a passion of mine. And, and there's really no platform for those people to express themselves. Um, I mean, of course, you can do it with a lot of uh, friction and also, um, you know, uh, there's copyright issues, but but you can do it on YouTube and SoundCloud, etc. cetera. Um, but uh, with Pacemaker on iPhone and connect with Spotify, it's so much easier. Um, and we're also constantly trying to make it even more easy um and uh, one of the things that is kind of revolutionary uh, inside pacemaker and it's a kind of a popular feature since all mixes in pacemaker they're just meta mixes that means you can keep on editing after uh, uh, someone published it uh, and that's a remix so people are remixing each other's mixes um collaborating um in that kind of way um a, a popular thing has been uh, you add a track and then i tag you you add a second track and then etc oh this is classic this this was a facebook kind of facebook kind of viral thing wasn't it a few years ago where people had to suggest an album based on the last one so it's i think that's a really nice thing this collaborative you know they say art is never finished don't they and you, yep. you release it into the world and see what happens next. So that's awesome. I didn't, you know, didn't realize that that was going on. That's another layer to another layer to the whole thing. Yeah, we have we've we've kept on working on the the collaborative feature also. Like you can remix anything in in Pacemaker, um, and that's like you inspire someone, and then you know that someone will add to your creation, making it even more better and making you making you see things that yep. maybe you didn't see in the first place. Exactly. Um, and then we have a collaboration feature. So um, I can start a, a little room and then I can invite my, my friends uh, on Pacemaker into that room. And then we, we collaborate. And then when, when we as a group are we were happy, then we can publish to, to everyone uh, to listen and then perhaps uh, remix that mix. That's awesome. And again, you know, DJing can be quite lonely sat in your bedroom studio totally. if you want to get inspired. Yeah. What a great thing to hook up with other people. So yep. just to end off with, Jonas, I'd just like to ask you the kind of big broad question about, you know, a life spent doing this. Is this something that you see you, you're you going to be involved in for, for the rest of your working life? Is it something that you think has got an end? Is this kind of this kind of life in the music industry, everything you've ever wanted? Um, or is there something around the corner? How do you feel about the kind of the, the whole career um, following this passion? You know, um, it's interesting you ask that. Uh, it's, I mean, I never really uh, planned this to happen. Um, it, it sort of just happened. Uh, and I, I followed my passion. And music is still my passion. Um, it's uh, the biggest passion. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, there's a... Uh, there's, uh, days where i think this really sucks um etc but then you know i find a great mix from someone and that's so inspirational um when someone you know created something that really blows my mind 
and then you know I'm back and um and uh it's it's fun I love doing what I do uh music business is very tricky and um I totally have this kind of love hate relationship to it uh I love it and I hate it and then I love it and then I hate it etc um but music is uh so important and uh, uh such a passion of mine so I I will probably keep on doing I'll be in this space um pacemaker you know we have work to do um uh, at some point I might not be the best one for the company and then I leave and move on um but at this point uh, you know uh I'm totally dedicated to this and uh I love it uh most of the time um and 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 I also think the music it's actually the entire creation space with machine learning and AI um there's going to be uh substantial changes to it um and uh i really want to be in this changing industry well it looks like in in a few years time we're going to have to have a rerun of this and see what's changed i agree with you i think there's some big changes around the corner with ai especially automation and so on which which needn't be needn't be for for bad for sure jonas thank you very much for taking time to share your story with us today it's been a lot of fun and i get the feeling we could have talked for another hour if we'd have had time so on behalf of me and the team here at Digital DJ Tips, thank you for being our latest guest on Tales from the Dance Floor. Thanks for having me.